0: recording. All right, Angela, are you there?
1: I am indeed. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Awesome. So I want to welcome everyone to this special Renegade Health Inner Circle interview with Angela Stokes. And this is for, uh, basically, actually, this call is for those of you who purchased the Raw emotion special that, that Angela and Matt and I had and Emory had put together. And we invited the rest of the Inner Circle, too, because you guys are our raving fans, so we wanted you guys to hear it, too. And today what we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about raw emotions. We're going to talk about emotional eating. We're going to be talking about, you know, how you can take control of, of your emotions, how you can take control of your cravings, and all that electrical charge around food and actually feel like you are able to not have to think about food all the time or worry about food all the time and actually make this this process really easy for you and that's that's kind of what, what I think is, is what we all want. And Angela has done this before. So we were talking to someone who I would say has a little bit of expertise in terms of how you can deal with food, how you can deal with emotional eating and how you can can work around some of the things that you may be feeling, um, and not, actually probably not even work around, but actually deal with them specifically, and Angela's going to give you some tips. So, Angela, I welcome you to today's call.
1: Thank you, Mr. Gianni.
0: Well, let's, let's start off. Um, I, don't, I don't even think we need to, to give a, an introduction for you, but, but I kind of want you to just kind of give us a brief overview of, of what exactly you know, raw emotions are. Can someone who's not eating a raw food diet feel uh, you know, the quote-unquote raw emotions? And then we'll get into the questions specifically.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, well, yeah, in terms of having emotional connections to food, I think it doesn't matter whether you're a raw foodist or an anything foodist. You know, the, the, it seems the way that we um, we associate with food, it can be very strongly emotionally linked. You know, we eat because we're happy, we eat because we're sad, we eat to celebrate. We eat because we feel rejected. You know, there's so many reasons why um, we might eat something. And just becoming a raw foodist doesn't necessarily equal all of those kind of connections to food fall away. So that's really what my book, Raw Emotions, is all about, is helping people, if they do want to restructure their emotional relationship with food, um, they can read this book, and it gives you all kinds of tips uh how to do that and hopefully, you know on this call we'll be going over a lot of that as well
0: yeah and since we're starting with with emotional eating, that was one of the first questions that we got from Jane said so how do you manage it how do you how do you is is it something that, and let me ask you this is it even something that you manage um you know when you when you get that craving or you get that that, you know, king that, that wants to you do like walk to the fridge or something like that or, or or whatever. You know, how do you how do you deal with something like that?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question to start with. That's kind of going straight to the point. Yeah. I love it. Um yeah, I th- managing is a very nice word. I'm glad that Jane chose that word. Uh, rather than controlling or anything like that. Managing working with your emotional relationship, I'd like to to think of it more in nice those- terms because to me it's not it's about will power or you know about trying to control what's happening it's about just taking an honest look at the way that you interact with food at this point in your story checking in with yourself about whether you actually enjoy those patterns you're playing out and if not then you know let's do something else to um, to break those patterns up and maybe do something that's, that does feel better to you so <clears throat> Really, it's about um, getting honest with yourself and also, you know, on on a day-to-day basis, just there's a lot of different tips that we'll be going through, I'm sure, on this call, of helping people to um, restructure their emotional relationship so that it doesn't just feel like, whoa, I, yeah, automatically I walk to the fridge or I go to the cookie jar or whatever if something comes up for me. Um, So, yeah, should we start going into some some of the tips or
0: Let's rock and roll.
1: Okay. So um, there's a three-step process that I really like to take people through um, when they're starting to come up against these kind of things. Um, The first thing, really, is to just get yourself an honest overview of where you are at with your relationship to food. Now, as I said, from my perspective, most people in our society seem to have this very strong relationship the strong connection um and that can begin for all kinds of reasons you know it might begin because when you're a child every time you cried you got like some candy thrown in your face or something, you know just take this and stop crying it might be because um you felt like you weren't really mirrored emotionally when you were growing up and so Maybe you were um looking for food to be your kind of friend. You know, that's a very, very common pattern that we see played out in our society. Um, people using food as their kind of their best friend, their kind of comfort blanket, their safety net in life. You know, there's all those kind of um connections going on for people. So all of that's going on, but at the same time, most people never seem to actually directly look at that stuff. You know, honestly and directly take a look at that and um, acknowledge what's going on. And that's got to be your first step because if you don't honestly take a look at what's going on, then how can you begin to even change anything? You know, you've got to, you've got to know what you're dealing with to begin with. So that's, that's the first thing. Get, write it down on paper or just get it clear in your head. It's usually better to write it on paper Um, you know, write down, answer some questions for yourself. Okay, what is it that I feel really drawn to? Um, You know, what kind of foods is it that I start eating them and I just don't seem to be able to stop? You know, what kind of time of day or around which kind of people? You know, all of these kind of questions, just get it clear for yourself. The next step in this three-step thing um, is to... Write down a, a trigger list, a specific list of the foods that, when you start to eat them, you can 't stop so rather than just having this vague kind of awareness of oh yeah, there's some foods that I think you know not handle very well, get completely clear for yourself on this, get it down on paper so that there's no kind of skirting around this stuff anymore. Um, and yeah, this can be challenging for people, you know. And there there might be resistance that comes up in you in respect to actually doing any of these things because there's a huge amount of um, comfort eating that goes on in our societies, you know, and just that whole concept of eating for comfort and living a comfortable life, and all of those all of the imagery and associations we have around that that word of comfort. And it's actually pretty ironic, you know, when you actually look at it. Like, the kind of foods that people refer to as comfort foods are generally the things that are the most damaging for the body. You know, it's, it's ice cream, it's cakes, it's biscuits, it's all of those kind of things. And if you actually take a look at that in the context of what on earth does that actually mean you know what are you comforting yourself with so take a look at those kind of foods that for you, you you start eating them and you can't stop you know the kind of things people often binge on late at night or if they're upset or or any kind of context you know it could even be that you're happy get those down on a piece of paper so that you know um what to preferably stop eating (laughs) if you can. You know, that's kind of the aim here is to um, just really know what we're dealing with and to start stepping away from that. So that's number two. And then the last one, this is the one actually that tends to cause the most resistance in people, (laughs) just as a pre-warning. The third stage is to write a daily plan of what you are going to eat. Okay, so now you know the context and, and everything about when it is that you have these issues around emotional eating, you know the kind of things that you tend to eat when you're in that situation, and now you're going to create your ideal plan for the day of what you are going to take in instead. Um, like I said, this is often the point where people really hit a wall with resistance because that can feel really... Um, like I don't want to do that. To me, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to write a plan. Why do I have to do this? this kind of stuff? Can come up inside us. But the the bottom line is that this works. You know, this has worked for literally thousands of people around the world to be able to manage their relationship with this, with food in a way that things start to shift and they start to feel better, maybe they start to release weight if that's an issue that's been going on for them. You know, it, this is the part which really allows you to start to see significant changes in your life, is to actually write that daily plan of what you intend to eat and to follow it. You know, take action on that plan. And um, this is it's such a simple thing to do, but the release that it can give you um, If if you are someone who's dealing with emotional relationship with food where you pretty much, I mean, you know, I I come from this background of emotional overeating. And I can tell you, like, in my past, my head was just occupied almost day long with thoughts about food. You know, when am I going to eat again? What am I going to eat? Who am I going to eat with? How am I going to eat this without someone seeing it? All of those kind of things. And if you just take this last step of writing a food plan for yourself, that's, that frees you up from all of that kind of nonsense going round and round and round in your head. And, you know, if you get to the end of the day and you look at that field and you have honestly followed it, you've honestly eaten what you intended to in the space of that day, there is just no feeling compared to that um if you 're someone that 's coming from this kind of background i 'm um, sure you 'll be able to identify the idea that you would actually get to the end of the day and there would be no broken promises to yourself you know of i 'm just going to have one of these <laughs> you know all of those kind of things that we say to ourselves over and over again and over and over again that we don 't follow through on them. Um, you know, this is this is a way of breaking all of that nonsense up and and creating a new structure for ourselves, and it's so empowering to get to that point where you're at the end of the day and you've genuinely eaten what you intended to, and you can really start to trust yourself again. You know, oh, I can actually do this. I can change my relationship with food so that I'm not impulsively and compulsively just acting out all of the time. You know, a craving comes up, and I'm just reaching out automatically for the food. So that's the three-step process. Review your history, write your trigger list, make a daily plan of eating, and follow it.
0: And one question about that. So say you do commit to that third step, which, which I think some people would I definitely understand why people would have some resistance to that but say you commit to it and then you you know you do it good for you can do it well for like 3 days or so and then on the 4th day you know maybe you do have something else like how how do you how should you deal with 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 that sort of blip on on the uh, on the radar Yeah
1: can you still hear me Yes I can Okay great um, yeah, that's that's a wonderful thing to go into. Yeah, dealing with the blips. I love that you said blips. <laughs> not, I mean, yeah, that people um, people often get into this state where they really kind of chastise themselves. You know, oh, I just I messed everything up. I I made this huge mistake. You know, it just it does not need to be like that. It doesn't need to be this this energy of. Um, you know, that you've totally messed everything up so you might as well just go and eat anything instead or, you know, that, you, that you're just a hopeless case because you couldn't do it. You know, this is all part of the learning process and it's absolutely fine to have little blips along the way and get yourself back on track. That's really the aim is to just, you know, breathe deep into whatever it is that's going on. Yes, something's happened that maybe doesn't feel like you made the best choice, but right now, in every single moment, you have a fresh choice. You know, every single moment, we're so blessed that we have the choice of what we do right now. And so you can just choose to leave behind what happened. You know, you, and you got results and now you can move on, you know, and learn from, from what happened and, and from the fact that you don't feel good about it, you know. And so move on with forgiveness and is really useful for people is to is to speak about um, what has happened, or to write about it, or in some way get it out of just your own head. You know, because we can really be very very harsh on ourselves a lot of the time in a way that bizarrely we wouldn't be with other people. You know, if someone if your if your friend came up to you and said, "Oh man, I just ate this bag of tortilla chips or whatever," and it's really unlikely that you would just start, like, berating this person wildly, you know, for the fact right. that they've just eaten that stuff, whereas inside our own heads, we can be so harsh on ourselves, and it's crazy when you think about it like that, so try and be gentle with yourself, you know, it's not the end of the world, it's no big deal, um, unless you want to make it into a huge issue, you know, so... Try, try and be kind with yourself and try and express it maybe to someone else or get it on paper or email someone or something to just let them know, wow, you know, I did this and I, I don't feel great about it. You know, someone might be able to offer you some support about that. If you have um, a network, like the Inner Circle, you know, if you have lovely friends in there who can support you, maybe that would be great to reach out to someone um, and and just move on, you know, especially let's, Let's give an extreme example. Let's say you suddenly go and eat uh, a greasy hamburger or something. It's especially useful after anything like that meal or the next couple of meals even that you have are as raw as you can handle because you're just going to help to sweep that stuff out of your body uh, all the faster and just get on with things, you know. So, yeah, just be gentle with yourself.
0: Was a great answer. Lisa asks, how do you stick to raw foods when people are pressuring you and giving you a hard time? I also have friends who drink. I find it hard to uh, get them to do other things on the weekends anymore.
1: Ah, sounds like maybe Lisa could find some new friends on in the Inner Circle. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, it, this is one of those ever-reoccurring issues for raw foodists, um, the social stuff. Um, my, my main guidance usually around the social stuff is to just be the change. Um, you know, do what you're doing and do it with, with your heart and, you know, from a genuine place within you and um, really make an effort to reach out to people who do understand what you're doing you know like-minded people it's so much easier to do that these days than it used to be i mean really people who were raw foodist like 10 or 15 years ago they were like you know just kind of way out there like on their own They, they didn't there was no to connect very few and far between and these days we have such amazing resources um to connect with each other especially online the internet has really opened up amazing opportunities so You know, the Inner Circle and other um, places online, like Give It To Me Raw, maybe you could go and connect with people. There's potlucks, there's events, retreats, talks all over the place. And, uh, you know, I I really can understand the the idea of, well, hang on a minute, you know, I I have all these friends. I don't want to (laughs) just abandon them just because we don't eat the same way anymore. And you know, I I hear that. You know, I've i lived through the same the same situation as most raw foodists do. It doesn't have to be that you abandon the community that you're coming from. Quite the opposite. You know, the more of us who are out there being beacons in in our own communities for genuine health and radiance. Um, the better, you know, the more of us who are out there and, and just sharing this message gently and, and not kind of being raw evangelists and forcing it on people or anyone. But, but um, you know, it, it's there's a lot of benefits of that, of staying in your own context, um, while at the same time making sure that you're feeling it, you know, so reaching out to the people who do understand you so you don't feel isolated, um and of course there will still be some some points of connection that you'll have with friends even if it means you know maybe until now your main point of connection has been drinking alcohol together every weekend let's say well maybe that doesn't resonate for you anymore but maybe you could go bowling instead or something you know it doesn't have to be that suddenly you have no contact at all with those people um but what I will say I've observed over and over again, um, most people who go raw experience big social shifts. That's just what happens. It's just the bottom line. You know, things really do tend to shift, and you do tend to end up with um, a different social circle further down the line. And personally, I think that's great. <laughs> I'm I'm really um, very – I feel very, very blessed with um, – the the social world around me at this point in my life, pretty much most people I know now are raw foodists. And I travel around the world, and I travel from, like, raw food house to raw food house um, meeting all these incredible people. You know, people who are on this kind of path tend to have a lot to offer and they a lot to share, and they're very vibrant people, and I feel really blessed to be around that kind of energy. You know, there's a saying that you are the sum of the five people who you share the most time with. Now, think about that. Who are the five people you share the most time with? If those people are people who don't feel that interested in anymore, i.e., maybe they're eating fast food and playing games on their computers and drinking alcohol or something, well, maybe it's time to just reach a bit further, you know, and explore the other possibilities. and yeah, there's, there is a lot of support out there if you reach out for it.
0: I remember when I stopped drinking, um, literally my college friends that I used to hang out with, like they they each kind of like fell off the you know the the, the list of people yeah. that I would hang out with. And and you know at first it was a little bit interesting because I still wanted to hang out with them, but but when I was hanging out with them, I felt that you know this just isn't for me anymore, and it was uh, it was okay. The thing is, is, it, is it, it always turns out okay. I, know I, I'm, I feel great now, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a whole different story. Um, Carol asks Do you have hints to help you when someone might be sabotaging you, but they don't seem to know it? This may be mm-hmm. about.
1: Interesting.
0: Or, or um, like a close friend. I've seen this happen before.
1: Sure. Um, I guess, again, the, the thing here to. Do is to really be in your own power about what you're doing, and um, be the change. You know, if you if you're feeling really solid about your path in life, then nothing's going to shake that. You know, really finding the confidence and the serenity inside yourself. I mean, this is we could look at this from many different angles. It, it's all about um, feeling really sure about your own path you know, so that whatever comes up, it doesn't matter what's going on on the external if you're feeling on the internal very solid and clear about what's going on, then you can handle anything that comes up so, you know, the the situations that you're drawing into your life, the people that you're drawing into your life, they're really a reflection of what's going on in your own consciousness and, and your own internal reality so the more that you stay clear about what it is that you really want to be doing and how you really want to be showing up here um, as as a being, then the, the less that you'll be drawing those kind of situations into your life. I can tell you, I almost never – have to actually deal with a question like where do you get your protein from in person anymore because I just don't attract that kind of energy directly into my life anymore you know very rarely it might um, be that someone sends me an email like that or um, if I am at a a lecture giving a lecture or something there there might be some new person that will ask a question or something um, but, you know, on my kind of day-to-day life, I don't come up against those kind of questions anymore because seeing not that kind of energy anymore. And I, I also don't give um, out into the world um, any kind of uh, kind of aggressive energy or, or anything like that. You know, I'm not interested in arguing or discussing with people about my own choices. You know, I know very well that I'm free to make my choices and other people are free to make their choices and you know I don't I don't try to step over any of those boundaries in any kind of direction I just it's, it's really a feeling of live and let live you know just let it be whatever they want to be doing they're doing whatever I want to be doing I'm doing and um, and as I said I feel very blessed to have a lot of people around me who are very supportive in in that kind of sense so uh, I hope that helps in some way
0: I think, you know, you brought up an interesting point about, you know, being solid about your, you know, what you're doing. And I think one of the challenges is that someone who first gets into us, they're just not sure. You mm-hmm. know, they're not sure if this is the best way to go, but they're, but they're trying it. So what do you think is the best way, you know, if someone approaches them, probably family, and says, you know, you're crazy, this is ridiculous, you know, how can someone who's in that position kind of just who does not who's not completely sure about about what they're doing. How can someone kind of just say, you know, this is what I'm doing and, and what's the best way for them to deal with that?
1: Sure, yeah. I if it was me I helped that family member or friend or whoever it was, um, to to just look at some of the materials that are available out there, um and some of the success stories in in a way that's really, really simple. Just gotta keep it simple, you know, because um very often when we try to speak to family members or or friends or anything about um this kind of stuff, they can very quickly turn the opposite direction. You know, they they just don't want to hear that much. So <laughs> it's like you've got to somehow find a balance between telling them something that actually gets the point across but don't tell them so much that their eyes glaze over. <laughs> so um, I guess I would I would make sure that I know some kind of online resource, or I have a book, or a DVD, or something that it just makes it very clear. So I mean, you know, there's a saying that a picture speaks a, a thousand words. Um, so I know, for example, that my before and after picture seems to help a lot of people feel inspired on on their raw food journey because it it tells a story. You know, you look at my before picture, you look at my after picture, okay, there's clearly a very big difference, you know. So that might be um, a resource that you might show people or you know, there's a lot of different web pages out there that you could just show someone, look, I've got all these before and after pictures. Look at the difference look at the glow on those people or you might have a resource like there's that wonderful DVD um raw for life it's called it's a like a documentary DVD about raw food and it's it's great because it's really simple it just it's like a kind of talking head documentary so if you're dealing with people who are used to watching tv then they might like it because they they'll just think it's like a tv program or something um and it's all these different people explaining why raw foods you know just the basics and so maybe you want to show them them show them that or show them a book or you know just just keep it really really simple and don't don't get into arguments about things. That's my main piece of guidance about this, because it's not likely to go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, for me, that's just the way that I live my whole... I, I have no interest in arguing with people about anything. It just, to me, it's just a use of my energy that I, I'm not interested in. I would rather be doing other things that feel positive and destructive to me, so... I would just try and keep it as simple as possible. Have some kind of resource on hand that you feel conveys the message quickly and 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 clearly, and get on with it. <laughs> just get on with
0: what. <laughs> well, just real quick, one it. thing that we found that, that works. If you sense hostility, is as even before you kind of mention it, or you feel that you might be in a hostile environment, I just say I'm doing an experiment and just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've you've done anything like that. Just kinda of, like say someone becomes hostile or you feel that someone might be hostile. For some reason I don't know why people are hostile about food, but for it just happens. Like what what, what would be your your response? So say you come to me and you know someone asks, say and I ask you, you know, so tell me about your you know, your raw food diet. This thing's weird. You know what I mean? Like what would you say to that? <laughs>
1: um I usually just laugh. <laughs> and um I I really just try and keep it simple with people. You know, it tends to work for me because of my background to say, well, you know, before I did this, I used to weigh 300 pounds. Yeah. And then people get it, you know, because they've got something, they've, in their heads there's a reason why I do this. <laughs> it's right, like, right, right, right. like, oh, she did it because of weight, love. You know, then then they're okay because they've got a reason in their heads. So, yeah, I love that you have the, the experiment thing. And, and I've heard so many different things over the years, you know, people saying, um, if they're offered food and they don't want to accept it, you know, maybe they say, well, oh, I'm just not hungry right now. Or, oh, I just ate, thank you, I don't want that right, right. now. Or, I'm ill. Or, you know, there's so many different things that people I'm say. I'm to, to everything. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to just kind of sidestep it, you know, and not get into arguments, because it can often become the center of of the whole, like, Events conversation otherwise you know oh there's the raw food person you know and then all these questions start and it can be really really tiresome for for you as a raw foodist if you're dealing with that just you know day after day so yeah there's some strategies for not having to deal with that.
0: <laughs> Deborah, who we met in New York City um, at Quintessence, she asks whenever she tries to juice feast, which she's done about ten times, she winds up binging right, afterwards and feeling horrible. How can she, you know, stop that, like, you know, juice feasting for, for say, three, four or five days and then feeling ravenous afterwards?
1: Yeah, wow, I'm glad you brought that up. That is a very common pattern, Um, not necessarily just with juice feasting, but with any kind of fasting, feasting, water fasting, anything. You know, there's that saying that um, any... Any fool can fast but it's the the breaking the fast that's like takes a genius or something like that i can't remember the exact word, but it's it is really um a big thing to be able to come out of being in a <clears throat> a phase where they may be feeling in some way like they're restricted or deprived or something like that, and to just you know flip flop completely into the other direction i've seen this with people people like juice feasts. And the next day they're eating six avocados in a day or, you know, two or three days later and they're already eating bars of raw chocolate and so. And to me, that is just like, ow, oh my goodness, I would not want to do that to my body. You know, that just feels like really painful. And that's why with the juice beef, there's actually a Juice Feast breaking protocol, which is outlined um, on the Juice com website and also in my book about Juice Feasting, um, which is called a Juice Feast's Handbook. And that's what I use to come off of the Juice Feast. I don't know um, if the person with this question used that protocol and it didn't work for them or or what happened, but I would in- just so... so so thoroughly encourage following that protocol when you're coming out of the juice feeds because I I really I hear you I've been there you know on the, on that side of coming out of the juice feeds and food is a scary concept at that point because especially for someone like me coming from a background of emotional eating. Um, taking a break from having solid foods going into my body like that for 92 days, that's a huge break, you know, three months mm-hmm. of not having to deal with solid food. And then to come out of that, I needed to have structure. And I really needed to take it slowly um, so that my relationship with food didn't just, you know, immediately wobble back into the craziness, which is, you know, what I'd known before. So the, the juice Feast breaking protocol um, is a three-step process as well, and it's basically you start with um, fruits, and then you you go to uh, oh no you start with the either a green smoothie or the dried soaked prunes <laughs> soaked, dried prunes, then you go to fruits and then you go to salad. Um, so there, there's a whole kind of structure around it which you can read on the site or in my book or whatever, but that's the basic thing, and that for me, helped so much, and I would really, really encourage that with people. So um, that would be my my first piece of recommendation for dealing with that. And aside from that, um, while you're juice feasting, to me, that is the optimal time to really be preparing yourself for what you're going to do when you're off the juice feast. You know, it's, it's one thing to be doing the juice feast, but it's an entirely different thing to come out the other end And to carry on with your life because what you don't ideally want to do is to go back to the way that you were eating before. (laughs) You know, that's your, or even eating like crazier things than you were before. Because what you're doing during a juice fee, you're allowing your body to go deeper and deeper into cleansing, deeper and deeper into detox. And depending on how long you do it, you can really get, back there, like way down into your structure, clearing out old junk. Now, if you do that, and on a physical level, your, your cells are getting tighter and tighter, uh, and then you come out the other side, and you, you carry on, you know, you go back to where you were before, that's going to be a big shock to your body. So while you're juice feasting, that's really the optimal time to be taking a look at your emotional relationship with food. Maybe reading my book, you know, redraw emotions, um, do some of the exercises in there. Get clear for yourself about what it is you really want to be doing in terms of food. How do you actually want to be eating? You know, and, and just get clarity for yourself so that when you do come out the other side, it's not just this kind of, Random hodgepodge of oh you know what do I do now oh uh I haven't had an avocado for five weeks let's shove one of them in my mouth you know it's it, you, you give yourself structure and you give yourself um something to work with other than just a kind of blur so um yeah I, I really I hope that helps because I I hear that that can really be challenging for people.
0: One of the one of the listeners asked dear Angela I was it 440 pounds at my highest weight. I'm now down about 80 pounds from that. I want to incorporate more raw, but I'm not ready to go 100%. What do you advise as some steps that I can take to get more raw?
1: Mm. Um, well, one of the main things I recommend to people to do is to make sure that you get at least one green drink a day into your body. So I don't know... There wasn't much information there. I don't know whether you're doing that already, but that's a really easy way of getting more greens into your body, which I really see that as one of the most important things to be doing. Um, Really, like a a strong foundation of being healthy as a raw food is is getting as much greens into your body as possible. Um, So, one of the easiest ways to do that, of course, is through drinks because. We don't all necessarily enjoy chomping on greens that much. You know, they they are. <laughs> they can take a bit of work, you know, working your way through salads and stuff. But throw, throw your greens in a juice or in a smoothie, and you can get a lot more of them into your body in the space of a day. Um, aside from that, I would recommend um, maybe making sure that you're prepared. You know, this is often... Um, A slipping point for people is that they just don't prepare themselves for being a raw foodist in the kind of society that we live in right now. So somebody might have the intention that, you know, they want to be eating almost completely raw or totally raw, and yet they don't make sure that in their house they have enough food supplies or, you know, that they have enough pre-prepared things. So that they always have something on hand, because if you get to that crunch moment where it's like, okay, I want something now, I want to eat something now, and you you're not prepared, um, if your patterning for the last let's say 30 or 40 years has been that in that moment you reach for the phone and order a pizza, then you know there's not probably that much that's going to stop you from doing that right now if you're not prepared for it. So. Um, simple ways of getting yourself prepared. If you have a dehydrator, make sure that you've got some kind of, you know, dehydrated stuff um, around all the time that you can reach for, whether that's crackers or cookies or whatever it is, some kind of raw thing, um, which you can add some fresh things to from your fridge. Another good tip is to always have some kind of sauce on hand in your fridge. Have like... um, a tomatoey sauce or some kind of creamy cashewy sauce, if, if that's your kind of thing, or whatever it is that you can either use as a spread straight onto things, or you can like water it down or thicken it up. You know, just help yourself by, by being more prepared um, more of the time so that you don't reach those crunch moments and reach out for something that might not feel like the most optimal choice.
0: Michelle asks, my husband loves to eat snacks, and you kind of mentioned a few. Do you have any good-feeling raw recipes that she can make for him?
1: Mmm, snacks. Um, I'm really, really into kale chips at this point. Oh, the kale chips are so good. And you can buy them pre-packaged from our store, from the raw food world. They're made by Blessings, who's around the kind of um, San Francisco area. Or I noticed today, Mr. Johnny, that you have a video for kale chips, right? You have yes. a, yeah.
0: The Renegade Health Show, yeah. If you just go and to that, renegadehealth.com and you type kale chips uh, into the search, you'll find it.
1: And they're so easy, right? Like you just make up some kind of marinade, some your kale leaves in there and put them in the dehydrator, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and you and you don't. And if you don't have a dehydrator, you can even put them, you know, in the oven um, at a very low temperature and, and leave it leave it open a little bit. Now, if you're into conserving energy, it might not conserve as much energy, but you can do it that way. You can put it at a really low temperature and you can open up the oven a little bit, and that'll dehydrate them too. So you don't need to necessarily go just just straight to the dehydrator if you don't have it. Yes. So let's see here. Um Roberta asks uh because of your previous thyroid issues Angela how and why um are the why are you still eating cruciferous vegetables do you feel that there's an issue with the goitrogens that are the the plant alkaloids in the in the cruciferous vegetables or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, um well My first few years when I was a raw foodist, I wouldn't touch cruciferous vegetables. I was really um, very wary of them. So, yeah, for anyone who's wondering what's a cruciferous vegetable, that's all the things like broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kale, all of that kind of family, brassicas. Um, So there is the, um, apparently there's, things in those foods which block your thyroid's ability to use iodine so they're not very useful foods to have if you are hypothyroid if you've got a slow metabolism so yeah for my first few years i wouldn't touch them at all um and then as i got kind of further along the line um it just became clear to me that my body is is balanced now you know, I don't have a real thyroid issue anymore. So these days, <clears throat> I don't have so much of an issue with having those kind of foods um, here and there. I don't really. It's not really exciting for me to have them every single day, but um, I, you know, I'm happy to have them from time to time. At the moment, I'm actually juicing quite a lot of those kind of vegetables because of the season here in the UK, I'm in the UK and it's winter and there's <laughs> there's not a huge amount of choice in terms of organic leafy greens. So I'm probably having more of the cruciferous veg at this point than um, I would have at any other point in the year. Um, and I don't feel any huge issue around that. Now, for someone who is just starting out on a raw food journey or y- you know that you have slow metabolism, hypothyroid issues, you might want to do what I did and, and totally avoid those kind of foods, you know, because they, they are said to block our use of iodine. And definitely, if hypothyroidism is something that's going on for you, make sure that you're doing the stuff that is useful to you in terms of eating seaweeds often, taking kelp tablets every day, um, you know, maybe having ginger and cayenne and things like that going into your system to help boost up your metabolism. And, yeah, it's it's a good idea to, to step, especially in the beginning. And maybe later on, if you're feeling like, wow, you know, I could probably have a bit of these again, then maybe do that. You know, it's, it's different for everyone and just see how it goes for you.
0: Great. And Gail was mentioning the, just the importance of rotating the greens here on the uh on the comment board here. And Victoria Botenko talks very very strongly about that too. Mhm. Let's see. Lois asks, um, since she's been eating more and more raw food, she feels more spiritual. Can you comment on that?
1: Lovely. Very excited for you, Lois. Yeah, I I can absolutely resonate with that as well. I when I was very young Um, I felt very, very connected to spirit and um, I had many experiences which might be labeled kind of psychic by people or, you know, whatever kind of label you want to give those kind of experiences where I just, I knew things and I didn't know where the knowledge was coming from. You know, it wasn't like I heard a voice or saw a light or anything. I just, I would know things. Like, for example, um, I can remember suddenly knowing one day that something was wrong with my mother's um, kind of ankle region on her body. I knew that something was really wrong, and I was really upset about it. And I, I was probably only seven or eight years old at the time, and I was trying to tell people around me because I, I was um, – and nobody would – listen to me, you know, because they just, I was seven or eight years old or something, they thought I was just making up stories or something, and of course, you know, when I got home, I found out that my mother had um, broken her ankle that afternoon, at the exact time when I'd been freaking out, Hmm. and that's just one example among many, 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 many examples, you know, when I was a young child, stuff like that was just constant. Um, What happened for me was that all of those kind of connections and experiences that were going on in my life weren 't really echoed or mirrored by anything that was going on around me or the people around me, so basically, I got the message that this wasn 't really something to speak about you know this wasn 't really something that acceptable, something not to dwell on, and so I pretty much just shut it all down um, i i didn 't really. <laughs> I didn't really nurture my connection to spirit or the universe or whatever you want to call it um, throughout my kind of teenage years very much. And I certainly didn't have much connection with nature, which to me, it's all the same thing to me. Everyone has differing views on this, but to me, nature, spirit, the universe, all of those kind of things are all interchangeable. And my connection with all of that, was pretty kind of haphazard during my teenage years. I was much more interested in food than I was in, in a thing. It's my kind of lifeline, my best friends, my, my everything. Um, it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I really started to reconnect again to spirit, and it was at the point at which I'd become a raw foodist. And I think this is very, very common with people that when we when we start out on this way of life, but to me there's no kind of mysticism about this. You know, there's there's nothing magical or like unusual about it. All it is is about coming more into alignment with nature, and as a result of that, our connection to spirit, to the universe, to synchronicities, all of those things it's just easier for it to be much clearer because we're not filling ourselves with obstructions anymore. You know, we're not filling ourselves with these foods that fog us and cloud us. Um, Very often we start to step away from mainstream media influences when we start out on a path like this. We start to, you know, want to be around people who are thinking more outside the box. and, And there's all these different connections that start and for me that that definitely was true you know it really reawakened um my my connectivity to the universe and um at the same time uh the the partner that i was with at that point he had a different experience um in his life and because he was going through that um, and I was going through these big changes with my raw lifestyle. We really managed to support each other to to really shift into some some much more authentic living. Because you know, I, during my teenage years especially, everything was pretty superficial for me. It was it was very kind of surface level. I was not willing to um, look into pretty much anything except food. Cans, and food boxes—you know—that's mm. just all I was interested in. Um, and so, yeah, you know, around around the beginning of my early twenties, that's really when things started to go deeper again for me. And like I said, I don't I don't feel like there's anything like I had some special experience or I have some special skills or anything. I just think this is completely normal for humans, actually, to have. These kind of levels of connectivity. I mean, these days, I feel in in direct communication with the universe, with spirit, all the time, and I can tune into that all the time. The synchronicities that flow through my life are just beautiful. You know, I, I just feel incredibly blessed. The the people and the situations that come to me, all of those things, and the especially. The connection that we share you know it's very very strong and i i will start to feel things at some point and and think where is that coming from and it's it's a direct mirror of whatever's going on in his life at that point you know and like i said i don't i think this is just something that's normal for everybody but we've just become so disconnected from it from our modern lifestyles where you know there's there's concrete everywhere, and people live in high-rise buildings. People aren't connected to nature. Um, very, you know, pe- People go all day for many, many days in a row without even touching the earth with their bare skin. You know, How connected are we to nature when we're living like that? How many wild animals or trees do you have a direct relationship with? And compare that to how many machines do you have a direct relationship with? You know, these kind of things, when we start to look at them, they can really tell us something about why we maybe don't feel such a very strong connection to the universe or to spirit. And as always, we have a choice. You know, we have a choice in every single moment, and we can start to redirect all of that flow. Um, so, yeah, I, I really I really hear and resonate with that about the, the spiritual shift, and I think it's beautiful.
0: Jane from Princeton asks, is there any particular type of food, that's better at soothing soothing, soothing um emotions evolved in emotional eating so so is it does it does it make sense to soothe your emotional eating with some sort of other food or to replace or or how does what do you think about
1: that yeah that's that's a great point um yeah, I guess it's a little bit sticky because what we don't want to be doing is um just replacing one thing with another, <laughs> you know it just um, going into a raw food lifestyle, as I said earlier, it doesn't automatically equal, okay, now I have no emotional issues around food because I'm a raw foodist. Uh, it's, it's kind of like half of the battle is won, if you want to see it in terms of a battle, because if you become a raw foodist and you simultaneously stop eating the foods that are the most toxic, to your body, the really, really highly processed foods, then that's kind of half the issue dealt with, you know, because those foods are highly, highly addictive, you know, bread and pasta and cakes and cookies and candy and ice cream and all of those kind of things, highly, highly, highly addictive. So by becoming a raw foodist and stopping eating those kind of things, You've, you're kind of halfway there to dealing with the emotional connection because you're not taking those things into your body anymore. So you're going to break off your addiction to them. But by that, you have the the psychological connections with those with your your eating patterns to to then look at. And the fact is that, like kale, just doesn't. Do quite the same thing to you as eating a hamburger <laughs> you know it's just' it's not the same kind of thing so there there's definitely things that um there's raw food choices you can make that probably are going to feel more um kind of comforty yummy ooh I'm getting something fun than eating some kale <laughs> you know because um when you, when it comes to raw food there's a big range of things that you might be eating that can still be termed raw food so um when you're at the very kind of simplest end of it you're looking at sprouts and greens um and maybe simple fruits and things like that whereas at the other end of being a raw food is you can create the most you know gourmet amazing creations if you want to i'm sure we've all seen the different recipe books that are out there and websites and stuff so things that might feel a little bit more like they're touching the territory of um yeah, comforty sort of foods. It might be things like um the kale chips even that we mentioned earlier, you know, they're they're like a replacement snack food or making raw cakes or having the denser, heavier food choice pizza, or raw lasagna, all of those kind of replacement meals <clears throat> that people make, like raw kind of mock-up versions of of foods that we've probably loved before. And it does tend to be that there's a pattern that when people first go raw, they want a lot more of those kind of foods than later down the line. Um, you know, the, the longer that you're on this kind of path, it tends to be that you want more and more of the simpler things yep. and the greener things. You know, it just that's just what happens. So especially in the beginning, it's very useful to have those denser foods in terms of moving away from where you're coming from. You know, it's, it's got to be, um, for this to be sustainable for you, you've got to take it step-by-step, step, baby steps that you can handle. You know, it's got to be working with you where you're at. You know, I could sit here and say, yeah, you know, if you become a raw foodist now, you've got to just eat two bowls of energy soup a day and drink two juices a day because that's what I do. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily going to work for everyone, you know. If you, like I was at the beginning of my journey, if someone had said that to me, there's no way I would have done it. You know, it's it's different to everyone at different points of the journey and. Um, you've you really got to work with it where you're at.
0: Uh... I think it's great that you just kind of gave permission for to people so they could actually uh, um, relax a little bit about it.
1: <laughs> well, you cut up then. I didn't hear you.
0: I just said I think it's great that that, um, that kind of gives permission to people and it allows them to mm. relax a little bit about it. Yeah. yeah. So Let's see, Sarah asks... Uh, Going on flights, what do you bring with you?
1: Mm, um, kale chips, right? <laughs> uh, what's that?
0: Kale chips, right? <laughs> yes,
1: kale chips, definitely. Yeah, I, I actually try and bring quite water-rich foods onto flights just because they're so dehydrating and because of all the issues around bringing liquids onto planes these days. So um, I try to bring things like cucumbers, bell peppers, um, maybe some apples. Like, um, different fruits, kind of depends where I am. Uh, And alongside that, I also, quite often these days, I will bring something like um, some raw granola, which, of course, is not water-rich at all, but it's another thing that I find useful on flights because it's dried. If I'm on, like, a really, really long journey, like the journey that I just came back on, From Mexico, I was like 28 hours in transit. So I want to have something with me that is also kind of dense on that kind of journey so that I'm not carrying, you know, pounds and pounds of food with me. Um, But I can take something like that and take a little bit of nut butter with me and then get a hold of some water, mix the nut butter with the water to make the milk and put that on the granola. So if I was on a shorter flight, I wouldn't bother with something like that because you just you don't need something that kind of dehydrating on the on a on a really long flight. But uh, I mean on the shorter flight, but on a longer flight, I find it useful to have something like that just because it's like heavier. And um, but you know, in terms of carrying stuff, it, it's not heavy. <laughs> like have that made some sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Carol asks about uh, stress. She's she's under a lot of stress. What's good to keep her hormones balanced and just to keep herself balanced? Any good food Mm. or anything like that?
1: Well, yeah, In, in terms of food intake, I would definitely, again, recommend the greens because having, like, one green drink a day is likely to really help you to feel more alkaline, more balanced, more calm, especially if you put celery in there, if you put, like, celery juice um, into your body, that's really good for helping to calm down. You might want to um, also take the supplement that's called Natural Calm. The the name's a bit of a giveaway. It's, uh, it's a really interesting supplement. There's only one ingredient, as far as I know, um, and it just helps people to calm down. It's, it's something that people often take late at night to help them to go to sleep, but like insomniacs. My, my dad, actually, he had restless leg syndrome, and he started to take this, and he now no longer deals with that. Um, and people also take it as a mild form of laxative as well, just on a side point. It just really helps your body to relax. Um, I would also recommend MACA for the balancing of the hormones. Um, that's if you're not familiar with that. That's just a superfood powder, which is yeah, it's just really known, especially for women to help balance the hormones. Um, that's something that I actually also take every day, um, pretty much, to yeah, to keep my hormones in balance. And um, aside from that, aside from the things that you're putting into your body, again, I would just really encourage um, helping yourself to get into a place of feeling centered and solid on a day-to-day basis. And right now, if you're someone who you feel like you're dealing with a lot of stress, that might seem like a very different concept, um, but it's always a choice. You know, there are things that you could start to do on a day-to-day basis to help yourself feel less stressed. You know, maybe you could um, incorporate meditation on a day-to-day basis, even if it's only five minutes a day that you do that. There's actually full of tips about all of these kind of things. You know, you might um, begin to do something like everything you come into contact with in your life, absolutely everything, you give the message to that thing from yourself of I love you. Just try that. Seriously, try that for like an hour or a day or something. Everybody you see, everything you come into contact with, give the message out into the world, I love you. And just see how something that simple can transform your life. Another thing, like every day for the first hour of the day, maybe um, try this with yourself, that you don't say anything out loud unless it's something that you feel is a positive thing to give out into the world you know all of these little kind of things can really help us to get into a more positive framework in our lives where we're just appreciating everything more and we're feeling more gratitude and we're helping ourselves to feel more centered and more clear about you know what it is we really want to be doing here and how we want to be showing up so that we're not kind of constantly going around in our head in, in these thought patterns of I can't do this and this is difficult and this person did this to me and, and all of those kind of not very supportive, self-destructive ways that we can we can be with ourselves.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We've run out of time. Unfortunately, we only have a few questions left. If you want to go, if you guys do have a question and you want to post it into the Inner Circle forum, go ahead and do that and then you know, we'll, we'll get along to that and uh, maybe even some of the other uh, listeners and the other some of the other people who are in the Inner Circle will be able to answer it for you as well. So, uh, Angela, I want to thank you so much for, for this time. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun and, and pretty informative.
1: Great. Thank you. Enjoyed it.
0: Well, to everyone else out there, this is Kevin Gianni and Angela Stokes. We want to thank you so much for being a part of the Inner Circle. Uh, it, is, it is your uh, lifeline for support when it comes to healthy living. We We really want to make this the, the best um, place for people to come and get and get support and get help. So if you do have any suggestions, please feel free to uh, comment or email um, any of us in the Inner Circle, and, and we will get back to you. And, and we're making a list, um, not checking it twice, we're, we're making a list of things that we're going to improve in the Inner Circle, and, and that should be coming up in the next couple months. So uh, we really look forward to it. So to everyone else out there, we want to thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.
1: The moderator has disconnected.
0: The call will...